Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. As we begin our Epiphany series, we turn our attention to the beginning of the Beatitudes. Why does this sermon start with passages about blessings? Is the Sermon on the Mount strict guidelines or an illustration of a Christian life? You're listening to Going Deeper, Blessed Are You by Rev. Peter Yonker. Our Bible reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew uh, will start in chapter 4, verse 23, and I will read through Matthew 5, verse 12. And this reading is the beginning of a new sermon series. You heard me mention to the kids that at Christmas we tend to focus on Christ as a baby, the miracle of the Incarnation. God coming to the world in flesh. But in the season of Epiphany, it's our tradition here at LaGrave and in a lot of the church to focus on Jesus as an adult, to sit at his feet, to listen to what he teaches, to watch what he does. And this year, we will do that with a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. So for the next seven Sundays, we will listen to this amazing, well-known sermon of Jesus, and we will let it form us. And to start that off, I'm going to have a reading which has the introduction to the sermon, but also gives you a sense of the context about who was there and what was going on when this sermon was delivered. Listen. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and Jesus healed them. Large crowds from Galilee and the Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. So, there we are, with Jesus, with the rest of the crowds there by the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has um, been busy. He spent the whole morning healing people right down by the shore of the sea, and he's been healing people into the afternoon. Great crowds of people coming from all over to experience 
his healing. But now as the day is getting later, he turns around from his healing and he starts up the side of one of those hills that surround the Sea of Galilee. And we turn to follow him. Not everyone follows him. Uh, There are some people who are mainly there for the miracles. They're there for the healing. They're less interested in any teaching Jesus might have. Those people turn and go away. But some of us, we follow up the mountain. About three quarters of the way up, Jesus turns around and he sits down. There's a rocky promontory there. It's flat. Jesus sits down on that rocky promontory and he motions us to stop and to sit down. And we sit down on the green grass. The whole crowd falls silent. Below us, the Sea of Galilee is sparkling there. Jesus raises his hand and he starts to speak. And in the sermon that we are privileged to hear, Jesus will say some of the most momentous things that have ever been uttered by a human mouth. The Sermon on the Mount The sermon he will deliver over the next half hour contains some of the most important words in human history, enormously impactful. These are words that have been woven into the fabric of our lives, into the fabric of our culture. So much so that people who aren't Christians and who don't even realize it will find themselves quoting Jesus and find themselves quoting this sermon. Just some phrases to show you, to prove that to you. Salt of the earth, that's Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. A wolf in sheep's clothing, consider the lilies. And then, of course, that famous words from his most famous prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. All these things are from the Sermon on the Mount and all these things that have been woven into the fabric of our culture. This week, I I went online and I figured out how many words are in the English translation of the Sermon on the Mount uh, in our our translation, the New International Version, and I figured out there's 2,497 words in Jesus' sermon. And because I always have a a manuscript and I know word count, I I can tell you that's about a 25-minute sermon which isn't too bad, right? And I can also tell you this. In all of human history, there has never been a more impactful 25 minutes of speaking. I challenge you to think of another speech, another sermon, another set of words anywhere in human history that have been more impactful than this sermon that Jesus delivers from the mountainside. For the next seven weeks, these words will impact us. We will open our hearts to them and we will let them shape our lives. What shape will these words give to our lives? What will we learn? Who will we become? Maybe we will find ourselves intimidated and a little frightened. That's been the reaction of many people who've really seriously read the Sermon on the Mount for the first time. Because in this sermon, we will hear Jesus' standard for behavior, right? The Sermon on the Mount gives us a shape for Christian ethics. And we will hear that Jesus raises the bar for our behavior, for our standards of behavior, incredibly high. 
As we listen to him preach on the mountainside, we will find ourselves turning to our neighbor and saying, wait, what did he just say? Is he serious about that? Does he really want us to do that? Examples. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. If your right hand causes you to sin, remember what he said? Cut it off and throw it away. Jesus, do you mean that? Because Jesus, if you mean that, I'm pretty sure the whole world is going to be blind and handless. Do not resist an evil person, says Jesus. If someone takes your shirt, give him your cloak as well. Really? Jesus, do you mean that? Are you telling me that if someone steals my car from my driveway because I was warming it up and it was cold, if someone steals my car, I should find out where he lives and drive my truck over there and give him that as well? Is that what you want from me? Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you shall never enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, really, Jesus? Because those guys are fanatics. They are crazy about righteousness. And you want me to go above them? I don't think I can do that. And besides, I thought we were saved by grace, not works. And last, definitely not least, Jesus gives us a summary of his moral standards at the end of chapter 5, and he says, Here's what I want from you. Be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Well, Jesus, now I know I'm beat because there is no way I am ever going to be perfect. As we listen to this sermon over the next seven weeks, I promise you we will be shocked, we will be intimidated when we really listen to these words that we think we know. But now... Before we get to these individual instructions, before we get to the trees of the Sermon on the Mount, let us look at the forest. I want to say some things in this sermon as we begin about the Sermon on the Mount as a whole and try to give us some context as we get more deeply into this sermon. And here's the first thing I want to say. Even though there are a lot of rules and commands in the Sermon on the Mount, even though there are a lot of places where Jesus says, do this and don't do that, we should not think of the Sermon on the Mount primarily as a legal code, as a set of rules. Now, there's nothing wrong with rules. Commandments are great. We read the Ten Commandments this morning. There are all kinds of commands in Scripture, and we ought to pay close attention to them. But I think we will go wrong if we think of the Sermon on the Mount as a legal code, as a set of specific rules that have to be followed to the letter. And let me try to explain why I think that's true. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I don't know if you know that name, famous preacher in England in the 1960s, has written a great big tome on the Sermon on the Mount. And in that classic book, he addresses uh, some of the misunderstandings that often come up with this sermon. And one of the misunderstandings among cynics, among people who like to poo-poo Jesus' words, is they say, and not without reason, Listen, you Christians, if you actually followed what Jesus said in, in this sermon, it wouldn't bring goodness, it would bring chaos. If I actually, if, when someone stole my shirt, if I actually gave him my cloak, and if someone, every time someone took my bike, I would give him my car as well, that, that, would, that would not end well. The only people in this world who would prosper would be those who steal. 
That would incentivize stealing. The good people of this world would be naked and without transportation, and, and the people with all the stuff would be the you know, the evil-hearted. That, that's no recipe for a good society. That can't possibly work, say these people. And if you're honest, they have a point. Here's what Martin Lloyd-Jones says about that, though. That's the kind of approach to Jesus' words that must not be made. That's not what Jesus means, says Lloyd-Jones. What is indicated here is that I should be in such a spirit, that my heart should be in such a place, that under the right conditions, I may behave just this way. This is not a mechanical rule to be applied. It is a particular illustration of a general principle or attitude. In other words, this is not a set of legal codes to be followed to the, to the T. This is a description this is an illustration. These laws show the kinds of passions and impulses and intuitions that live in the heart of a sanctified person. This is not a set of mechanical rules. This is an illustration of what lives in a sanctified heart. Because if it was just mechanical rules, if we treated these legalistically as rules, you know what we human beings would do. We hear Jesus say, if someone steals your shirt, give him your cloak as well. And we will say, well, uh, Jesus, strictly speaking, he, he didn't steal my shirt. He stole my pants. And uh, so I'm, you know, no mercy. I'm throwing the book at him and I'm, I'm going all the way with him to court. Or we'll hear Jesus say, if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. And we will say, well, it wasn't really a strike on the cheek. It was, it was more of a punch on the nose. So I'm going home to get my baseball bat. That's the kind of legal games when we think of rules. That's those are the kind of legal games we play when we just think of rules on the surface. Jesus isn't thinking about the surface of things. He wants us to be the kinds of people who under pressure, in times of crisis, in times of need, be so deeply formed by his words that we will commit radical acts of generosity, kindness, forgiveness, and love. Not a legal code, a shape, an illustration of a sanctified heart. That's why we called this sermon series Going Deeper, because it's not about what's on the surface, it's what's about what's underneath. And if you listen to the Sermon on the Mount carefully, you will hear Jesus over and over again trying to press us to go below the surface. You've heard it say, you should not murder, rule. But I say to you, if you even call your brother a fool, you're in danger of the fires of hell, pushing deeper to the heart. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. It's a rule, good rule. But I say to you, if you even look at a woman lustfully in your heart, you've committed adultery, pushing deeper to the heart. Not a legal code, a description of a sanctified heart, which doesn't let you off the hook at all. It just makes it harder. That deeper heart emphasis is evident right from the very first words of the sermon. What is the first thing Jesus says? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. What part of you is he speaking to when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit? He's speaking to your heart. 
And all the rest of the Beatitudes do the same sort of thing. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. These are all heart conditions and heart longings. Jesus is speaking and challenging our hearts. Okay. But now as we listen to the Beatitudes, and as we consider that this is going to be a challenge, these sermons are going to be a challenge for the depths of our hearts, let us also recognize that Jesus does not start with challenge. Let's go back to that hillside. Okay, we're sitting there with the crowd. Jesus is up on the rocky promontory. And let's look at the crowd around us and see what kind of people are in the crowd today. And as we look, we can say it's a pretty motley bunch. These are not the strong and the gifted. These are the weak and the wounded. Remember what Jesus was just doing. He was healing people down in the valley. The people who had come to them were the desperate souls who had chronic pain, who were demon-possessed, who were having seizures, who were paralyzed, or who had relatives who were going through this. As these people went up the side of the mountain, they did not leap like gazelles. They shuffled. They limped up the side of the mountain, and when they plunked down, they were absolutely exhausted. These are broken, needy people who are trying to do life and feel like they're failing. And when Jesus stands up and looks out over the crowd, the first thing he says to him is not, come on, you people, pick it up. Come on, you people, you're not doing it right. Be perfect. The first thing Jesus says to them is, blessed are you. Blessed are you people who are poor in spirit. Blessed are all you mourners. Blessed are all you people who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You're trying so hard. Blessed are you who are pure in heart. You will be comforted. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. You will see God. Yes, Jesus will challenge these people to the very depths of their being by the time this sermon is done, but that's not where he starts. He starts with blessing. He starts with grace upon grace upon grace. And when Jesus looks out over you, you struggling people, you people who are trying so hard and who also know that sometimes it feels like you're just not doing it right, what do you think Jesus sees and what do you think he says to you? Blessed are you. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst. You shall see the face of your God. This is what makes the Sermon on the Mount such a great sermon. It's got the depths of challenge, it's got radical challenge, but it also has radical grace. And the radical grace comes first, and the radical grace is stronger. Not only does the radical grace come first, if you listen to it, it also comes at the end. Because when Jesus gives these blessings, these blessings aren't just blessings, they're also promises. You will inherit the earth. Yours is the kingdom of God. You shall be filled. You shall see God. Jesus is saying to all of us tired people and to all of those tired people on the mountainside, I'm about to take you on a journey. It's a journey down a narrow path. It's going to be very, very hard, but I promise you, you will finish. I will make sure that you will get to the destination. I will go before you. I will go behind you. And if necessary, I will die for you 
so that you become the people I mean you to be. Blessed are you. Grace at the beginning and grace all the way through the finish line. So before we begin this seven-week journey with Jesus, this epiphany, people of God, lift up your tired heads and your tangled hearts and hear Jesus say to you, blessed are you. Amen. Lord Jesus, as you look at us, you know how tired we are. You know how after last year, um, how many of us are just worn out. Thank you that as this new year begins, we can hear you say, blessed are you, and we can hear the assurance that, that ours is the kingdom and that we will see your face. Lord, may that, that blessing fill us this morning and may it give us the courage to go out into the world and to do your will, even when it's hard, and to love each other really, really well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.